We're in 2 Corinthians 10. We're picking up with verse 7, <coughs> 7 and going down to verse 12. 2 Corinthians 10, 7. Let's read. Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone has convinced himself that, he's in Christ, that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ's. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed, lest I seem to terrify you by letters. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that as we are in word by letters, when we're absent, such shall we be indeed when we're present. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves by themselves are not wise. Let's pray over our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God that's filled, chock full of the nutrients we need spiritually. We're going to open up our heart and actually take it in by faith and appropriate it by faith. And Lord, be nourished by it. Holy Spirit, we call upon you again as the divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person that's listening. Father, I thank you for opening them and causing them to see and hear and understand what you're wanting them to get, that they walk away having exactly heard from you what they need. Only you can do this miracle and believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. We, need to, we need to come expecting to receive because really the, I'm not the teacher. Uh, actually, 1 John 2 says that you have no man need no man to teach you, but the anointing teaches you. Well, why did God put teachers in the body of Christ? He put apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, put them in the body. So if you don't need a man to teach you, but he put teachers in the body of Christ, how do those two work together? Well, the only one that can truly do spiritual teaching is the Holy Spirit. He commutes revelation to hearts. I, by myself, left to myself, all I can do is impart information to heads. And you need more of that. You need revelation. So why am I here? Because God's anointed me to be a mouthpiece, to give voice to the Holy Spirit's words so that he can use it, but he's the one that's teaching. So you walk away saying, boy, the pastor was talking just to me today. No, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. And so how, how much this ministry works is how much by faith you're making a, a draw upon the anointing. So when you come to church, I don't care who's speaking, that if they're using the word of God, the Holy Spirit can impart and say things to you that the pastor didn't. Walk away. Well, I had heard that. Surely I heard that from the back. I have, you know, I sit back there and I shake hands coming back and they say, oh, that's great pastor, great pastor. And, and the, I'll, every once in a while I'll say, well, when you said this, and I say, I'll just smile and shake my head and I say, I never said that. When you said that verse and you used that, well, thank you very much, walked on. I didn't use that verse. But they heard that. They got what they needed. And so from my mouth to your heart, he fixes it. So I need your help to hook in with your faith for, for utterance and revelation to come to your heart, and, and you'll be amazed what you get out of it. And then he gets the glory, right? All right. Verse 7. Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he's Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we're Christ. Paul's saying, guys, you're just looking at things at the outward appearance. That's a sign of carnality. Carnality just looks at the surface. And so, again, don't judge a book by its cover. And so you're just looking at things in the natural. And so there's a spiritual side of things. that Those are spiritual, discern things spiritually. And Paul says, don't look at things that are just outward appearance. And so Paul's opponents, his false teachers, arose in this church after he left. And so false teacher rose up in his absence, started speaking false things, and then started speaking against Paul. But these false teachers came in, and they were just claiming things that are on the natural side of things. They came in bragging, uh, and then they brought some recommendary letters, so some letters of recommendation. And so, again, have you ever had someone write a letter of recommendation for you if you're going to get a job or something like that? Well, they had that in the early day because they traveled around, and oftentimes they didn't know who this person was, but if they had a letter from so-and-so, they knew so-and-so, 
Then they trusted so-and-so. It's like, okay, I can trust you. I have a letter from them. I recognize their signature. Yes, that's them. And so that happened in the early church. And so these guys showed up with letters from Jerusalem, forged. And this is from James. This is from John. This is, we're from HQ. We are, we are the ones that he's assigned. No one else is assigned. It's been approved. And so they had uh, forged letters that they used. Next of all, they spoke in a very authoritarian manner, very, br- very brisk and brush, uh, harsh, and they spoke very authoritarian. Next of all, they claimed they had special revelations of angels and that they've been caught up to heaven and they've been down in hell and they heard this and heard that and they have all the wonderful... Because guess what? If you want someone to catch some, the average Christian's attention to say, hey, I, I, I had a special revelation of heaven and I heard this and I heard that and I heard that and you can't find it in the Bible, but oh, oh, bestseller. And we're going to get into this coming up in chapter 12, where where Paul says it wasn't lawful for me to talk about all the details. But but people come back and write big old thick books about everything they heard and heaven and hell and all this other stuff. I'm saying, well, Rick, I, I like some of those books. Well, just make sure, are they grounded in the word? What was said here and said there. And, and Jesus said this, and you find that that's not scriptural. That's universalism, or that's a false teaching there. It's not from Jesus. But because they said they had that vision, <gasps> goose pimples. So they claimed special revelations. They were very polished in their speaking. Paul used King James. Thee and thou. And they, were, they claimed that they were the most pure-blooded Jews available. The false teachers laid claim to special honor in the work of the ministry because they believed they were superior in personal appearance, in rank, manners, and eloquence. Paul reproved them for judging this way because that's just judging on the surface. That's just appearance. And so that's not the qualifications for an apostolic office. And so... Uh, God doesn't look and judge just merely on the appearance. You know that? God looks where? He looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the, just at the, at the appearance of things. Those that criticize you the most, so Paul had critics. You know, look, be prepared. If you get into ministry, get very long, there's going to be critics. They're going to criticize you. But you've got to know something about critics. Critics, the one that criticizes you the most has done the least. I, I, like, I like football, and, and so I like watching the football, and, and, and they make it look easy. Patrick Mahomes, sidearm, and it string right in through, you know, all these hands and right in. You think, well, that's so simple. Well, you try to go out in the yard and try to do that and get hit and, and not try, try to throw the ball when you have 300 pounders all trying to kill you. But on Monday morning, you have Sports Center, and all of the experts that has never played the game, let alone the quarterback position. And so they know exactly why they made a mistake and how they can improve it. And, and by golly, they ought to be set on the bench. And, and that's the way it is. There's so many people, Monday morning quarterbacks in the ministry that tell you, you should have done this, you shouldn't have done that. But you, when you find out, what, have you, what are you doing? What have you accomplished? What have you built? On to the next thing. If anyone is convinced in himself that he's Christ's, this word convinced is the Greek word which means persuaded or to trust. He says, if anyone trusts in himself that he's Christ, see that's where you start getting into pride, is you think it's all about you. You're, you're all that in a bag of chips. Because like I said, have you checked chips out lately? What are they full of? They blow your hair back. <laughs> so you have these false teachers. They were, they were trusting in themselves and claiming to be Christians. This word means to trust. False teachers trusted themselves. Some, some think that they have a corner on revelation. So what they were saying is that we were especially Christ because we have a special revelation not available to the crowds. 
We, we have a special level we're at that other Christians either can't attain to or probably, probably can't get there or, or it's very difficult to get there. <laughs> God puts his revelation on the bottom shelf for everybody. It's common revelation for the church. The Holy Spirit's in me and the Holy Spirit's in you and the Holy Spirit wants to impart revelation to you. And so some think they have a corner on revelation and if you don't follow them, you're either not really saved, that's the extreme, or you're not as spiritual as they are. Be careful of pride that you're in a certain group. You're in a certain stream. There's different streams in the body of Christ. And so often those streams have a truth from God, and so they're valid, but they take the truth and they run with it, and that's the truth. Or that's what God's blowing on today and not anything else. This is the revelation. And so those that get into a stream, they get very prideful that they're in the stream. And that's been through church history. They thought they had the, they had the truth and the highest revelation of going in the body of Christ. Other ones were not initiated, those ignorant Christians. And that hasn't changed today. Let me talk about the grace stream. Grace and faith. Well, bless God for the blessing of understanding grace and faith. Raise your hand if you've been blessed by grace. You know there's more revelation in the word, but just grace. And we get so prideful sometimes of, of the revelation we have, and we look at other denominations and look down, almost down on them. Well, they don't speak in tongues. They possibly couldn't understand the things of God. Oh, Really? Well, the Holy Spirit upon you and in you is not the same thing. The Spirit on the inside, that's what gives you revelation. And so, uh, uh, you know, someone that's not Spirit-filled can get revelation from God. But do you know that when you got Spirit-filled and tongue, it just went to a new level. And it, you opened up to yourself to greater revelation. But you know what? Don't look down on people that are not in our stream. Because every stream has a truth that we need. And so don't be just so short-sighted. There's certain ministers I trust and I listen to more than others. But I'm not shut off from ministering, going and ministering in any other stream the Lord leads me to. Or hearing from other ministers. Now, sometimes you eat the hay and spit out the sticks. But if there's mostly sticks, <clears throat> it's not good. There are many streams in the body of Christ. Let him consider this in himself that just as he is Christ's, even so we are Christ's. How do you know you're of Christ? The Spirit of Christ. Romans 8 9, if, you don't have the, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And you have that witness. I just know that I know I'm saved. Or if you just know that you know you're saved. Well, how do you know that? Well, I have the word for it, right? But how do you have the witness of the Spirit? You know that you know when you're knower, you're saved. That's the witness of the Holy Spirit. So we are of Christ, uh, we are of Christ purely based on what Jesus has done. Nothing about you. I know you're sweet, but not that sweet. <laughs> you are of Christ purely, 100% of what Jesus did. Nothing about you. But these guys were looking about all their qualifications, their speaking ability, their, their, where they've studied, all the other stuff, and they were putting that they were Christ because of them. You're lucky to have me, God. Stand back, God, and watch. I'm man's power for the hour. Oh, really? Face plant. Even so, we are Christ too. Watch out for people that claim a special and unique connection to Jesus. Some in Corinth did that. I want you to see in 1 Corinthians 1, look at verse 12. There were some in Corinth bragged about they had a special connection to Jesus above anybody else. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.12 says, Now I say this, that each of you say, I'm a Paul. Hey, I, I, 
Paul's the founder. He's the apostle of this church. He's the founder, and I'm sticking with him. Uh, you know, it's all about Paul and no one else. When he says, I am of someone, it's I am of them and only them. That's what they're saying. I only listen to Paul. You're in danger when you only listen to one person. And, and he will agree with me, so I don't have a problem saying Andrew Womack would say that. If all you're listening to is Andrew, Andrew's wonderful, but we need more than Andrew. That's why I have guest speakers come in and different fivefold ministry gifts come in because you need more than me. I'm of Paul. I'm of the founder. You know, some people, they have a church change and a new pastor comes in, they don't receive him because I'm of the founder. I won't listen to anybody else because he's the founder and, I, and I've been in the way for 30 years. Well, I have a word for you. Get out of the way. <laughs> I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. Apollos was a, was a, a guy that got brought in after the, he, that Paul invited to come speak while he was gone and speak to him. And he was extremely eloquent. Man, I mean, he could lay down some phrases. I mean, he was a very eloquent speaker. Some people's like, you know what? I'm of Apollos. I just, it's amazing. I just love mesmerized when I hear him speak. And he's the only one I really want to hear from. There's some in the body of Christ you, that you are just mesmerized. And it's just like, I just, oh, when they speak, it's as liquid gold. I'm a Cephas. I'm a Peter. Now, 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 now you know the, 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 the group that was the most dangerous? Read on. <laughs> no, wait a minute. I, I'm of Christ. Because I don't really listen to anybody. Because me and Jesus, we got our thing going. I don't need a pastor. I don't need a teacher. I don't need anybody. I'll come to church. To bless you. <laughs> to share my gift with the body and tell the pastor what he ought to be doing and where he's off and where he's wrong and teach my higher revelation. But it's only really me and Jesus. Danger, danger, danger. False and self-serving leaders enhance their personal fame and fortune by allowing people to think they have a unique and privileged relationship with God. One that's unavailable to ordinary believers. It is frequently and most times grounded on the claim of supernatural experiences, angelic visitations, third heaven, third heaven translations, or having heard the audible voice of God with clarity to back up what they're saying. I, I, I be wary of those that are constantly having uh, supernatural visitations of angels and and all this other stuff, and especially you can't back it up with Scripture. But they want to impress you. I'm not impressed. Paul vindicated his ministry. First of all, he said, look at the undeniable fruit of a changed life. You guys' life were changed. You were heathen, but now your lives have been changed. And it came through the apostolic ministry that God had in our lives. Second of all, he pointed to the integrity in which he walked. Not the signs and the, all the other stuff, but the fruit of character. Third of all, the hardship and oppositions he endured because of the cause of Christ. Because, you know, you've heard someone say that if you're going the same direction as the devil, you won't ever bump into him. So if you're bumping up against the devil a lot, then you're, you're in opposite sides. And, and so Paul said, you know, these guys... Have any, don't have any hardship because the devil's not after them. And finally, fourth, the fact that Christ himself commissioned him to be an apostle. He said, you know what, I got, a I got my commission to be an apostle, not by a group of men or by a man, but Jesus Christ himself uh, uh, called me to be. You can't be called into the ministry by a person or a group of people. They may ordain you. What's ordination? Ordination is they, they, a group of people recognizes the anointing and gift and calling on you that's operating. The only person that can call you into the ministry is Jesus. 
So many people in the ministry today, God didn't call to be in the ministry. Their mother called them in the ministry. <laughs> Grandma called them in the ministry. Little Leroy, you're going to be God's little preacher boy. <laughs> Leroy can't put two verses together. <clears throat> Say, I'm called by God, called by God. To, function to function where I'm supposed to be. Say, I have an unction, have an unction. To, function. to function. Amen. There's so many people in the ministry, they don't have the, the grace or anointing to do so. And they wonder why it's not working. They're called to be business people sometimes. They're just an anointing to make money. Well, to really serve God, I have to be behind a pulpit. No, no, no. Most of the body of Christ are not called to be behind this pulpit. But they're just as much as a minister of God than those that sit this, behind this pulpit. And they're anointed in grace for it. And they have an office in the body of Christ. And, and God's going to hold you accountable. What did you do with the ministry gift I gave you? Well, I didn't know I had one. Well, you, yeah, I, I gave you the gift of giving. One of the offices in Romans chapter 12, there's seven body offices. There's five equipping offices and seven body offices. Can you go there? I don't plan to go there, but, uh, but go there. Go to Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 4 in the King James, please. Some of you are not convinced that you have an office in the body of Christ and you have a ministry that just is as valid as mine as a pastor teacher and you'll be held accountable for the office that you stand in. It says, for as, many, as, for as we have many members in one body, look around, we have many members in here, one body, all have members have not the same what? Office. There's five equipping offices, not whipping offices. Don't whip the saints, you equip the saints. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And you think, well, those are the ones in the ministry, and I'm here to support the ministry or the minister. You're not here supporting my ministry. I'm here to support yours. I'm here to equip you for your ministry. Now, in line with the vision given this local house, it's going to fit within the, the vision, overall vision, but I'm to release as much ministry as I can. That's my goal here is this path, to release as many of you into ministry as possible. Not, not, not to teach. My, my real calling is to equip teachers. I do that. I, I, up at Karis Bible College, I, I teach a teacher's elective in third year ministry school. I do a teacher's academy. I've done classes here called Call to Teach here in the church. My, one of my, probably the highest call I have is to train up teachers to teach. That's the heart of God, is to release ministry. Because if, if there's anybody as a role model on releasing ministry, it's God. Because he could do everything perfectly, he could do everything all at once, and do it right the way it ought to be, but he doesn't. Why? He releases ministry to you guys. And sometimes the angels look and say, is this who they're working with? <laughs> the big three, are those, are these the ones he's working with? You can't find your car keys in the morning. It's like, really? Yeah. And you mess up, and you don't do it exactly the way God would do it, but he releases ministry because that's his heart. He wants to invest into you and see what he put within you blossom and go forth. And so as a minister, you're not just about the ministry. You're about equipping those to do the, do the ministry. Can you pop that up again? Can you pop that up again? Thank you. Aren't you glad for our AV volunteer ministers? They're, they're just as much ministers as I am. Do you know without them that what this message would only stick here? And you might not even hear, totally hear if I didn't have a microphone. And we're, we're going around to 64 nations, I think, last time I heard. That's, I mean, their ministry, getting the word out. Well, they're not behind a pulpit. Well, I don't care. 
God's anointed them to do it because I'm not anointed. If I get back there, I'd be doing a piece of stupid. <laughs> I'm barely above a flip phone. <clears throat> For as many have many members in one body, all members do not have the same office. Look at the next verse. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Next verse. Having then gifts, differing. Tell someone you're gifted. Well, I don't know, I don't know where I'm getting, well, I don't know I'm able to gift because you haven't done anything. Well, I don't know what I'm gifted at because you haven't done anything. What you need to do is you need to start walking through open doors God gives you and start serving different places and try it out. That's why I started. I started in, I, you know, in this area and went to that. And went, I started really started in evangelism at the church, Bobby Anna's church, with evangelism. I went to children's evangelism, started teaching children to do evangelism, so I did children's ministry. And then I ended up, in, uh, I'd done custodial, I did security, I did maintenance, I did, I mean, I went from one area of the church to another area of the church, and the Lord led me into all these different areas. Why did he do that? Because he showed me what I'm gifted at and what I'm not gifted at. When I went into the maintenance shed, I found out very quickly <laughs> the anointing was not present. <laughs> Put a tool in my hand, I'm about to get done. But, how I, how, but I tried this and tried this, and the thing that I found the most grace on me was, was prophetic dance. <laughs> By and far... Now, when, when, I start, when I got up for the first time at Rama at, on teaching lab, because, you know, at Oklahoma State University, I, or even in high school, I had speech, you know, speech class. And I would stand up here, and you'd read your speech, and I would shake. And, and that's what it was. But when I went to Rama, we had teaching lab. And they said, well, you're going to get up and give a teaching? I thought, oh, I dread it. I don't want to. <laughs> and, you know, I'll be God's little salt shaker. And, and so I had my sermon, put, and it just supernaturally flowed. It's like, yeah, it's alive in my heart. And all of a sudden, I got up there, and I was like this, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, my mind's going, what's happening to me? <laughs> there was something there. Now, the seven body offices. Some call this uh, motivational gifts. Paul called it office. Given to us prophecy. Those are those that, that are they're not a prophet, but they have the simple gift of prophecy operating through them. Simple gift of prophecy is uh, any inspired utterance that exhorts, edifies, and comforts. There are some that you can just edify, supernaturally speak to someone's heart. You ever had someone come up and give you a word and just was, gave you energy? It's like, yeah. God knows where I'm at. <laughs> Ugly cry. Not a prophet. Prophecy. Let, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Next verse. Or ministry. The King James says helps. I believe most of the body of Christ, the, not the a majority of the body of Christ fits in this body office. It's just serving. Greeting, ushers, helping with kids, just, just serving somewhere. Well, I don't have a ministry. Oh, wait a minute. Au, au contraire, mon frere. You have an office and you're graced to do it. There's some people, you know, if they walked, someone walked in and they dropped something, some, some people, you wouldn't notice anything right in front of you. But some people, they notice everything, and they're there to serve, and they help. They love to do it. It's a grace gift, so they don't have to try hard. They just, it, they just love serving. To put them behind the pulpit, you might as well just torture them, pull their fingernails out. They couldn't put two verses together. They would labor over a sermon all week long and sweat bullets and just be miserable doing it. But, but they're called to help. Next of all, he that teaches, not the fivefold ministry gift of teacher, Teaching. That's where I started. I started teaching a singles group in 1995 and did it for 16 years. 
I was in the body office of teaching. Next one. He that exhorteth on exhortation. That's, that's someone who just encourages you. You ever just had someone that's just an encourager? You like being around them and say, can I just stand by you? You're so encouraging. I love being around you. There's some people just anointed to encourage other people. They just lift you up. And so that's encourager. The one that gives, that's someone anointed to make money. Raise your hand if you, I'm just, I just acknowledge that gifts on me. I am anointed to make money. Some of you, praise God. Not everybody. We're all called to prosper. There's some people just anointed. They make more money by accident than people on purpose. And he that shows mercy on cheerfulness. These, raise your hand if you're our mercy givers. You know, they could have caused their own problem. Oh, you dear heart. Let's hug. It's going to be okay. That's what we need those. Hospital workers, people that's been through the grief and everything else. And so it says if you have that, make sure you do it with cheerfulness because you can take the burdens of, of other people on you. So it says mercy. There's seven body offices, five equipping offices, seven body offices. The five equip the seven for the work of the ministry. Five plus seven is 12. 12 is the number for administration. God administers the church through the five body, uh, equipping offices and the seven body offices. But guys, what I'm saying is you're a minister and you are equipped to do it. Why do I say that? Because some were boasting we are the ministry. We're the ministers. You're just ordinary folk. You know, the only thing that really separates me and you is basically I have a microphone and talent. No, I'm joking. You're like, what? I'm joking. Nothing separates me and you. I'm a sheep, you're sheep. Go bah. bah. I just did it. So we're sheep. We have different anointings. Nothing separates us. There's no such thing as clergy and laity in the body of Christ. Verse 8. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for, our edific for your edification, and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed. Look at this word boast. Paul uses this word boast. It's the Greek word. This Greek word for boast, it's also translated glory throughout this book. Boast and glory, it's the same Greek word. He uses it 21 times in this letter. Basically bragging. He uses this word 21 times. Why? Because the false teachers are all about boasting and bragging about themselves. And the Corinthians had bought into it. And what marked them off is they were full of themselves. They would brag and boast over other people about how great they were and how more than you. A sure sign of fleshly, immature believers, one who loves to talk about themselves and to boast in what they know, who they know, and what they've done. You know what? You ought to do twice the much listening than you do talking. I'm amazed at how many people love to talk. And I have a young, I have a young whippersnapper Pastor Rick, can I take you to lunch? Sure. I want to, I want to, I just need some, and, and go to lunch, and they, they do 95% of the talking. And, I, and I've been around the block a couple of times, and I could help them. But I'm not going to shut them down to share anything with them. I'll just let them talk. And that was great. I want to learn about you. And I love, I, matter of fact, if I sit down with you, I'm going to be asking about you and, and listening to you a lot more than what I'm going to be talking about me. You'll have to ask for me to share probably a lot of stuff. I, this is not for you. This is, I'm talking to your neighbor. <laughs> your neighbor that just talks, 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 and loves to talk. And when you, you know, I don't have many friends. Well, I wonder why. <laughs> you want friends? Listen. When you sit down with someone, I'm, I usually ask him what's new with you. I don't ask, how are you? They say, fine. I said, no, what's new with you? And they'll say, well, you know, I got this and this. And, oh, really? And I, and I get, well, that must be, and then maybe get to pray for them and stuff like that. But, but when you let people talk and you listen, 
more than you're talking, you're going to find a lot more friends. So ask the Holy Spirit to alert you because you're blind to this area. We all have blind spots that we don't see. You see everything you see, but there's things you don't see. There's blind spots we all have. In some areas, you talk too much. Invite the Holy Spirit to show you. Ask a trusted friend, do I talk too much? Well. And you don't tell them. You just go on and say, well, I don't talk too much. And you just... I don't know why I'm off on all this. <clears throat> a sure sign of fleshly immature believers is one who loves to talk about themselves and boast in everything they know. It, it seemed that the Corinthians would only listen to those who boasted in themselves and what they'd done. They were impressed by people that boasted about everything they knew and who they knew and the connections in Jerusalem and all the revelations they had. And they were mesmerized by people that boasted about themselves. Paul said that I don't boast, that even if I should boast somewhat more about my authority, I'm not going to be ashamed because it's the truth. So let's talk about the verse that says that even though I should boast somewhat about our authority, you know, with comes the calling and an anointing comes authority. And in ministry, you need to be very careful how, what you do with the authority because you can misuse authority for your own benefits. Don't do it. With greater authority comes greater responsibility to represent the Lord accurately. A leader, is, a leader is just using the authority God gave him for the good of others. The authority God gave you, if you're in an authority position, raise your hand if you're in an authority position somewhere in life. We all have that. All of us have authority positions. Well, I don't know. I mean, do you have a dog? I don't have authority over that dog. That dog rules me. I'm not the pack leader. You should. We all, in some area, have authority, and it's to bless and be good for the good of others. Keeping a servant mindset will be a safeguard against the abuse of authority. I'm being the authority to serve. That's it. Why did, he, why did God give you that authority, husband? To serve your wife. And the wife say? That's not very loud. That's okay. That's okay. You had your opportunity. Well, I'm not getting into that. I mean, <laughs> you think I'm dumb? <laughs> the more you're promoted in the kingdom, it's a greater opportunity and responsibility to serve others. God only gives authority so that people can be blessed and built up. However, often it's used wrongly to tear people down and to suppress people. Or to show I'm the big shot. So I'm going to push everybody down to show that I'm the big shot. As a leader in the body of Christ, your authority should never be used for personal betterment or to suppress or control people. The Lord gave us for edification. The authority comes from God. It's given as a gift from God. And it came by grace, not that you didn't earn it or deserve it. It's a gift. And it's for the edification of people. You know the Holy Spirit's ministry is edification? What does edification mean? To build up. How do you know that that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Because the minute you open your tongue and start praying in tongues, what happens? You're being edified. The Holy Spirit's going to immediately start edifying. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is a ministry of edification. And if you're using the authority wrongly to control people, to suppress people, to put people in their place so that you can look big, the Holy Spirit's not going to help you. Used correctly, the Holy Spirit will work with the exercise of authority to build up others. A Christian leader is given the responsibility to build the church by the anointing and the Word of God. A leader that seeks to represent and glorify Christ will build up the church, even though they make mistakes. Well, I don't want to go in the ministry because I might make a mistake. Well, that's why you're not in the ministry. Welcome to be a human. You're going to make mistakes. And, well, you know, I made big mistakes in the past, so I disqualified myself from the ministry. 
Put your hand over your heart. Is it beating? <laughs> then you haven't disqualified yourself because that calling's without repentance. God hadn't changed his mind. You're still called to that ministry. You still have the anointing. Well, I might make a mistake. Well, welcome to humanity. You're going to make mistakes. But God allows you to make mistakes. He's not, as, he's not jittery. He's not, he's not nervous. This church is given. I'm going to have to go on vacation. This church is really, my nerves are being frayed. Look what they're doing. If, if you have a heart to serve, even though you make mistakes, you'll end up building the church. I don't know how God turns it around. Your, mess, your messes, he turns around and makes a message out of it. And, and you can make mistakes. And I've made mistakes. And I'll make more mistakes. But you know what? My, I believe my heart's right. I want to serve. And the Lord's going to end up building the, the work here. False teachers bring destruction. Because they do it with self in mind. Verse 9. It says, lest I seem to terrify you by letters. Look at the word terrify. A modern translation would be freak out. Lest I freak you out by my letters. They're saying, well, Paul just uses scare tactics in his letters to scare you. Paul didn't use scare tactics like the false teachers did. Watch out for those who use scare tactics to get you to do what they want you to do. They, they bring manipulation or intimidation to get you to do what you want to do. That's not from God, ever. And, and the devil does that. He will try to intimidate you into making a decision terrify you if you don't do this now this will happen the spirit of god never never pressures or intimidates or puts fear in you to do anything he leads you by peace the devil pushes you drives you the lord leads you there's someone in this room that you've been pressured to make a decision and it's out of fear and it's not out of peace and the Lord's saying, I'm going to lead you by peace. It's not for me. So you need to take a chill pill. I'll lead you by peace. Verse 10. For his letters, or his epistles, in the Greek word epistole, where we get epistle from. For his epistles, you know what the epistles are? The apostles' wives. No, it's, it's letters. letters. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. They acknowledge, everybody acknowledged that Paul's letters were weighty and powerful. Why was Paul's letters weighty and powerful? Because they were scripture. They were the very word of God. God used Paul's personality, even used his sarcasm, but in a way that it was 100% God's revelation and God's word to man. And they're weighty and powerful. That's why reading your Bible is so important. Because the Bible is not like any other book you can pick up and read. I want the cliffhanger suspense novel, romance. Ring Song of Solomon. And don't read it in the original language. It gets crazy. <laughs> what made Paul's letters weighty and powerful? Why? Uh, they carried the authority of Scripture. What makes the lion the king of the beasts? Did they take a vote one day of every animal in the forest? Let's vote for president. Now, what made the, the lion the king of the beast? It's roar. It's roar. What makes the word of God stand out above any other book? It's roar. It's authority. It's power to, it's power to change lives. Notice this, he says, but, in his, but bodily presence, he's weak. You know the word Paul means little? Tradition has it he was a small man. Not, not, not very good to be looked at. 
But I want you to see something. He says, but they say my bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. This word contemptible means of no account or of value. He wasn't an eloquent man. Well, I mean, uh, Pastor, how do you know he wasn't? Because he put a young man to sleep and killed him. (laughs) Have you ever killed anybody with your message? In the book of Acts. It said, Paul long preaching. And they're in the upper room and there were many lamps, oil lamps, and it was warm. The higher you go up in a building, it's already hot anyway. You have a bunch of lamps because they didn't have electricity. And it's warm and it says, Paul long preaching. And a young man, Eutychus, trying to get some fresh air, opened the window, sat in the windowsill. And Paul long preaching and long preaching and long preaching. Fourth closing, five closings. And the man fell into a deep sleep and fell out of the window. Three stories and died. Now the rule is, if you, put him, if you kill him, you have to raise him from the dead. <laughs> Paul went down, and Paul, I love what it says, Paul falling on him. Okay, that can't get any worse for the young man. You put him into a deep sleep, you kill him, and then you fall on him. But he, he rose from the dead. Look at 2 Corinthians eleven six. This is talking about Paul was not eloquent. Well, I can't be called the ministry and teach because I'm just not an eloquent speaker, so. I, when I started, I wasn't eloquent. Well, well neither am I now. <laughs> 2 Corinthians eleven six. Even though I'm untrained in speech, yet I'm not in revelation knowledge. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.4. I'm helping some people out young in the ministry. You disqualify yourself because you're looking at all this natural stuff. God didn't call you because of you. Get that through your thick head. His calling doesn't depend on you. 1 Corinthians 2.4, and my message and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Paul was not a great orator, but there was a tangible anointing on his teaching. The Holy Spirit's the true teacher, and you're but a mouthpiece. Tell someone, God could still use that big mouth of yours. The Holy Spirit's the Jew teacher. You're the, he needs a mouthpiece with authority on earth. He gives men authority on earth, and he cannot move in the earth without, through, throughout a, a man who has authority on earth. So he needs you that he anoints, and, he, and you're his mouthpiece, but he, he says, just speak my word and get it out of the way. You're like wire. You're like wire. The electricity comes through wires, but wires aren't attractive. We stick wires in the, in the ceiling, put them under, under the, the floor, because we don't like to look at wires. What are you? An ugly necessity. (laughs) Well, Mabel, I can't believe he just called me ugly. I didn't come to church to get... It's the revelation imparted by the Holy Spirit is the important thing. You stand out of the way. Be like the Lone Ranger. Who was that masked man? doesn't matter. It's not about you. I want you to see something that Paul prayed for. In his ministry. Colossians 4.4. Colossians 4.4. We're almost done. There's hope. And if I, put, if I kill you, I'll raise you up. Colossians 4.4. Paul prayed this specifically. He said he prayed and asked for people to pray for him that he would be eloquent as he ought to be eloquent. Oh, I'm sorry. That's clueless translation. It, it didn't say that. It said that I may make it manifest. That word manifest means clear. That I just make it simple. Well, I'm trying to get deeper. No, just that's your problem. Make it more simple. Put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Can you teach it in children's church? And they get what you're saying. 
He didn't pray to be eloquent. He prayed that I'd make it simple and clear. That's all I'm asking. Because if people can understand it, the Holy Spirit says, stand out of the way. It's up to me now. I'll impart revelation to hearts. That brings transformation. Verse 11. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in words by letters, when we're absent, such we will be indeed when we're present. Basically, they said Paul's two-faced. He's one way in his letters, one way when he shows up. He says, no, I'm not two-faced. What I am in a letter, I'm going to be when I show up. Who are you behind the pulpit when you get out of the pulpit? Are you two different people? Now, you may think I'm a two different people because I, you would say I'm an extrovert up here. And no, Actually, when I get out of the pulpit, I'm like a major introvert. Raise your hand. Any introverts, raise your hand. Introverts unite! <laughs> Separately! Praise the Lord. I'm a pretty quiet guy. Uh, I'm a different man when I'm under the anointing. But, but my character, hopefully, inside and outside is the same. Verse 12. Last verse. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Paul's using sarcasm here. He says, I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare class myself or compare myself with those that commend themselves. He's basically saying, you know what? These false teachers, they're so awesome, I wouldn't even dare even compare myself to them. But measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, they're not wise. You know, we're not to compare ourselves with others. We're not to compare ourselves with other people. Why? Because they're not your standard. Who's your standard? Jesus. Compare yourself to Jesus and things get quite plain. Now, if you compare your spirit to Jesus, you match up perfectly. But in any other area, tell someone you got work to do. Now tell someone else next to you, you really have work to do. Hey, Brian. If you use other people as your benchmark, that's not a perfect match. Why? What's this verse mean? It's not good to measure yourself and compare yourself with others. Well, it means two things. You can go to two extremes with this. First, it means don't make yourself the measure of others. I'm the standard. What that leads to is pride. Second, it means don't make any other person your measure of you. That leads to uh, jealousy, envy, and inferiority. Proverbs 26.12 says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than him. You know, looking at other people and seeing their ministry, it's like, boy, if I only had a traveling ministry. Man. You know, there's some, you know, you have, you're pastoring, you have certain things every day, you have problems of the church, and the, the, the weight of the church is upon me daily. And, but if I was just a traveling, I could just travel and travel and my, deliver my bombs and leave. <laughs> no, the grass is always looks greener on the other side of the fence. You know why it's greener? Because it's usually AstroTurf. <laughs> we see that. We walk around our neighborhood and we're seeing more and more people with AstroTurf in their front yards. That's cheating. Great for golf, though. If it's truly green grass, you don't know all the manure it took to fertilize it. Why don't you water and tend your own ground and make it grass where you're at? He says, I don't dare to compare ourselves among those that commend themselves. 
Paul said he's not, he would not be the number of a, he wouldn't be among the many number of self-promoters. Don't be a self-promoter. Let the Lord promote you. When I came to Karis, the Lord said, shut your mouth about being under Bobby Andean and being over the education and teaching in his Bible school and any books you read and you've been to Rama and the Bob, Bobby Andean school. Just shut your mouth and serve. Yes, sir. I could do that. So I started in the phone center. Speed counseling. And I raised Peachy from the dead. You remember Peachy? Who, raise your hand if you haven't heard Peachy's story. Okay, real quick. So, <clears throat> I don't even know where, I don't even have a timer I normally have. Seven minutes, okay. I have time for Peachy's story. So, one, I worked the night shift, and they came out at night. And so I got a phone call, and the lady says, I have my dead parakeet I want you to raise from the dead. Her name's Peachy. I said, okay. But then, hearing her story, it started, the story started last night, the night before. She called up and said uh, to one of the phone ministers, I, have, I want you to raise Peachy from the dead, my parakeet. And so the phone center happened to ask her, where is Peachy? So he's, she's buried in the backyard. And so the phone minister said, well, you need to dig her up because if she comes alive under the ground, she'll die. I mean, granted for the prayer minister to press in on that. So she went back there digging around in her backyard trying to find Peachy, but she couldn't find the, the bird. She thought the miracle took place supernaturally. But she finally landed upon Peachy, found her, uh, digged her up, and now I'm on the phone the next night with freshly excavated peachy. <laughs> and she said, she said, now, she put pressure on me even. She said, now, you got to do this quick because my husband's about to come home and he doesn't believe in this. I almost told her, I don't believe in this. But I didn't. He's a good phone minister. I quoted a scripture. You got to quote a scripture and release your faith. So I quoted a scripture and I spoke to Peachy. You see, Peachy, live in Jesus' name. Click. So I don't know if Peachy came alive or the husband came home. But I just marked down on my notes, Peachy lives. <clears throat> just started in the phone center. Never said a word. Did that for a year. Wasn't my grace gift talking on a phone all day. But that was the field that God had me in. And you, start, you don't ever start at the top of any field except you're digging a hole. So I started out at the bottom and, and got promoted, and uh, I got promoted to be over the uh, correspondence program where I'm grading tests for a year in a cubicle. <laughs> I'm called a pastor at church. <laughs> Not great in a cubicle. And then finally Greg called me in and said, hey, we want to start a new school of biblical studies verse by verse uh, through books of the Bible. And... And long story short, Joanne had been telling me to put my, my study notes of my chapters when I study chapter by chapter, put it up on Facebook. No, yes, no. She said, do it. I said, no. And she said, do you want to eat? Yes, okay. <laughs> so I put it up there and I get one or two likes. See, pearl before swine. And we go there month after month. Did you put it up on Facebook? No. Put it on Facebook. So I put it on Facebook. I was listening to the Holy Spirit, which sounds more like Joanne every day. <laughs> and so, so Greg Moore calls me and says, we want someone to start a school that can teach a school of biblical studies and teach verse by verse, book through book. And we've been, me and Barry Bennett's been on Facebook reading your commentaries. And we like that. And, and I was under Greg's third year uh, teaching lab, so he heard me teach. But I never said a word. He says, okay, I guess I need your resume. It's the weirdest job interview ever had. Offered a job, didn't know I was being offered. And so I said, yeah, I guess I'm, I said, let me pray about it. Yes. <laughs> Don't be stupid. And, and says, well, I guess I need your resume. So I put a resume together, everything I'd done, everything. And he was blown away that I had never said a word. I'm always wary of self-promoters to ask to be heard and seen. Measuring themselves by themselves. 
Legalism is about measuring yourself against others. Grace most readily is received when you measure yourself against Jesus. Compare themselves among themselves. Again, comparing yourself to others will lead to either pride or envy. Comparing yourself to God leads to humility. Remember, uh, Jesus is talking to Peter, restoring him on the beach after he raised from the dead. And they're walking on the beach one day talking about his ministry. And John 21, 20, it says, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's John, because that term's only found in John. Who also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, John, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about him? What, what, what's going to happen to him? Is he going to be greater than me? Jesus said, I, if... If I will that he remain till I come, what is it to you? You follow me. Get your eyes on me, not on anybody else. Because when you get your eyes on other people, you're not wise. Because you all have a unique race to run in your life and ministry. And there's only one person on that race course. It's a design specifically just for you. But you got your eyes on everybody else, how they're running their races. Look, they, they're so much further than I am. Look at them. They're real, look, by now, I think I, and sometimes I look at other people around our age, they have great, great grandchildren. I don't have children. They have 16 kids. The Duggars outdid me. I don't have a Duggar anointing. Joanne says, praise the Lord. <laughs> I have the anointing and the call for my life. And I can't get my eyes on other people. And you, and you feel like, well, I've blown it so much compared to everybody else. I've blown it so much. But guys, I don't care if you've blown it so much. You've fallen down. You've given up and you're sitting down. God has a news for you. He's saying, get up. You're in the lead. You're the only one on your course. You're in the lead. And the only way you don't win your race is don't finish it. Get up. You might be limping. You might be barely crawling. But movement. Move forward. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Lastly, it should be obvious that if a person's, their only stand, if a person's standard is themselves, then they're always right and they have arrived. There's no room for improvement. When you do this, you're stupid. You're beyond compare. You're the only one with the fingerprint you have in all of history. There's no one else like you. You're an original. He broke the mold when he made you. And some people say, praise the Lord. There's not more than one of me. The world couldn't handle more than one of me. You're an original. God is so infinite. His glory, so multifaceted. He said, for this facet, this specific facet of my glory, I need to create a vessel for it to shine through. And he created you. And no one else can, can accurately display that facet of his glory but you. Stop comparing yourself. It's not wise. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for your word. That when we compare ourselves to Jesus, Lord, it causes us to worship because by grace we are what we are and you've made us the image and righteousness of Jesus Christ. So we don't have to look around and feel inferior or feel superior to other people, but we are what we are by the grace of God. And you created us uniquely with a call, an unction, an office to sit in. And you say, Pastor, I don't know what that office is, but I want to know. And I'm willing to put motion to my car, my motion to the boat. I want to move forward and move the open doors God gives me so I can discover what, is, what am I graced at, what am I gifted at, what am I not gifted at. But I'm willing to be used by God and to put motion and start serving people because that's the heart of Jesus.
Not what am I going to get out of everything? Why am I get, what am I going to get out of church today? Where can I serve? I'm going to find my destiny. And that's you. And, you're, and, you want to, and you say, that's me. I want to find out what my gift is. What's my office? What is my calling? I want you to raise your hand. Father, I thank you for those that had their hands raised. Lord, I thank you for revealing to them what they're here for. That they're anointed. They're called to an office. And so, Father, I thank you for open doors, even now, open doors that they'll walk through, not thinking, oh, I might make a mistake. You will. But if you have the right heart, it will bless people. In Jesus' name. Now, now, this is for another group of people. You know what your calling is, but you've been sidelined. You've been on that race, and you've looked at other people, and, and you've got discouraged, and you feel like, you know what? It's never going to happen. I'm just blown up. I'm just, and you got your eyes on you, and you're having a pity party, or you allowed mistakes to get you out of your lane, out of the calling. No, you still have a call. You're still anointed. You'll make mistakes, but you're ready to get back in the race. You know what your calling is. You just haven't been doing it. Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, Father, I thank you for those hands raised. They're going to get back in the get back in the race. Get back in the race. My anointing, my calling is there. My fruit is there. My satisfaction, says the Lord, is in there. You're in the lead. Stop comparing. Finish, 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 and you'll win, says the Lord. Father, I thank you for it. Amen. Let's worship God together. morning um, we were talking about surrender that's uh, been a theme with a song and I believe the Lord is saying to some of us in here that not only does he want us to make room to do what he wants to but he wants you to make room to let him do it how he wants to do it some have been disappointed because you're believing a promise but you've envisioned how that promise is supposed to unfold However, you need to trust him. He knows how to do it. He is your exceedingly great reward. You're not the one to figure it out. Amen. Well, in the kingdom, you don't have it your way. You have it Yahweh. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. You can be seated. We want to continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. Um, go ahead and uh, pass out the offering envelopes as you're filling those out. We have a few more minutes of worship. I'll be back up to pray for the offering. <clears throat> 